Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, are you guys having fun so far this morning? I am. We're in a family series. Last week we talked about marriages. Today we're kind of transitioning a little bit to a different conversation. Uh, my name's Aaron. I'm really excited to be with you uh, today. When you came in, there was a card inside of what they handed you. If you haven't looked at it, don't now. That's not a cue. Just put it, leave it alone. If you already looked at it, you're already scared, don't look at it anymore. Okay, just leave it alone. Everybody got it? Got it? All right. Cool. We're going to jump into it here. I want to tell you a little bit about my story um, before we jump in this morning because I think it will kind of help you understand what I mean with everything else that I'm saying. Okay, so I want to tell you a little bit about me. This is me, by the way. See this? Isn't that nice? So I am this blue thing. So that's me. I want to tell you a little bit about my story, and it really starts uh, with my older brother and my mom. See, my mom got married when she was very young and had a really uh, nasty kind of relationship there. They ended up getting divorced, which was the best thing that could have happened uh, for me and my family. She was so wise in this. And so my brother and uh, me and my mom were kind of living as our little family, and my mom decides she's going to take us back to church, the church that she kind of had um, grown up in a little bit. And so we start going to church. This church invests in my mom. It invests in me and my older brother. My older brother is not really a part of the story because this story is about me. So we're going to leave him out of the rest of the story. So it's not like anything tragic happened to him. This is not about him. Okay. So, so this church invests in my mom and, and then somebody at this church, a person, okay, I don't know who, but the church is made up of people. A person looks at my mom and says, hey, you have great potential to serve with preschoolers. I would love for you to invest your life into the lives of preschoolers. And so she starts serving in preschool, which helps her because she has preschoolers at home. So she, she understands more about our world. So I'm having somebody at the church lead me as a preschooler. People are investing in my mom. And there's this beautiful picture. It helps everything get better. Now, here's the other thing. Is that a year or two goes by and my mom meets somebody, she gets remarried and we end up moving to Virginia Beach, away from Virginia, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. And so we move to uh, Virginia Beach and they start investing in this church and this church starts investing in this young married couple with two kids. And so now my parents are investing in their kids and making life changes that are affecting me. And at the same time, there is somebody named Miss Sue who's investing in my life as well. I'm only three years old, but very distinctly, I remember Miss Sue teaching me and teaching a group of preschoolers with wood paneling on the walls and maroon carpet. If, if you go back, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And she had this book and she was teaching us about what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus and how one day if we trusted Jesus, we could spend forever in heaven with him. I remember that very clearly. I can see the images on that book as clear as day in my mind at the age of three. Shortly thereafter, we moved to a different uh, place. We moved to New York and in New York, I'm sorry, oh, this is good. I, f I can't skip this. So when I'm four years old, I go to a day camp that's in Lynchburg, Virginia, where my grandma lives. So I'm being shipped off to day camp every day at the age of four from like, you know, nine to 12 in the day. There's a lady named Cheryl there. And I remember this so distinctly at the age of four, Cheryl teaching me uh, stories about missionaries. She taught me um, how to memorize scripture. This is the first time that I can remember memorizing scriptures at the age of four, and she had this piece of paper, it was eight and a half by 11 on red cardstock that was the Great Commission, go into all the world making disciples. That, I remember that as clear as day. I remember Miss Cheryl having an impact on my life at the age of four. We moved to New York 
just that summer, and my parents get invested into a church up in New York, and, and they're investing in them. And somebody at that church, either through a message or through one of my small groups at the age of five, I give my life to Jesus. I remember talking with my mom about something I heard in church, and because people had invested in my parents, she could invest in me, and these other voices were investing in my life. I came to know Jesus at a very young age, and at that age, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Did I understand everything at the age of five? Absolutely not, but it really changed the trajectory for the rest of my life. Shortly thereafter, we moved to Northern Virginia, and this is where my elementary years were spent, and I had lots of different small group leaders, kindergarten, first, second third grade, and one of them was Mrs. Chambers. Mrs. Chambers, I remember very distinctly because she stayed with me for a couple of years. She moved up with her, with her small group, and so second and third grade, I had Mrs. Chambers, and at the beginning of fourth grade, she made the Bible come alive to me. I remember her connecting dots for me, seeing things in the Old Testament of Scripture and looking at how Jesus came to fulfill those things, and she just made the Bible come alive with this wonder and this discovery that I was going through, and it made me want to go home and just read the Bible on my own. I remember very distinctly opening the Bible and reading the book of Exodus. Nobody asked me to. I was just like, this is really cool. There's all this cool stuff happening. Like, it's amazing. So I wanted to read it. That passion was instilled in me. And my parents were serving with student ministry at this church. My dad started learning how to do technical things at this church. All volunteer. It was amazing. And then we move to North Carolina when I'm about to enter fifth grade. I moved to North Carolina. And there's lots of people that I could talk about. I just want to mention a few. My parents are invested in this church. And they're invested in them. My mom ends up joining the staff team at this church. There's a lady named Amy there when I'm in fifth and sixth grade, and she is like the children's director, and I remember Amy and her influence on my life, and there was a group of small group leaders that poured into my life, and that's where I really started feeling this sense of community and ownership of my own faith. And then Jimmy was my seventh grade student pastor at this church. I remember being under his teaching for a while. I remember Mark, my 10th grade small group leader who invested in my life for a year. And then I remember Jarrett, my high school student pastor who came along later and he invested in my life and gave me opportunity to serve in ways that I had never anticipated before. Something happens as I'm about to graduate high school. Something happens where my mom and Amy go to breakfast one day with me and they say, hey, what are you going to do this summer? Because I had been in this church for, you know, six, seven years now at this point from maybe longer, so fifth grade to, to my senior year. What are you going to do this summer before you go to college? And I said, I have no plans. And Amy had seen me serve in kids' ministry. She said, hey, maybe you should go to work at a kids' camp this summer. So I left breakfast that morning with a job. Three days after I graduated high school, I end up working at this camp under a director named Bethany. And this is where I learn and really fully activate what it meant to have an impact in kids' lives, in the lives of other people. Because it's kind of like kids show up Monday, they leave Saturday, and you're with them the whole time. And that, that'll teach you a lot. And so they taught me a lot, and I learned how to relate to kids. I learned all, so much of what had been poured into me. I was now having the opportunity to pour back into others. Fun fact, side note, Bethany, I found out after working for her for a year or two, I found this out. You remember Cheryl, who impacted me when I was four? That's Bethany's mom. And it all came full circle. And from that point forward, like the universe just like, whoa, there's something bigger going on in my life, right? And so I learned that. And so then, shortly after that, I kind of I take an internship at the church that I had grown up in. 
and I start pouring into the next generation there. And then I get, after college, I'm kind of like, okay, what's next? I moved to Pittsburgh for a year. I did some theater stuff, and I'm just hanging out. And I'm like, well, what's next for me? Like, what, what does God want to do in my life? What does he want my next step to be? And while I'm there kind of praying about it and talking to people, something happens. And I can't go into the whole story, but it's an amazing story. It's, a, it's just a testament to who God is. There's a church that's starting, and it's being led by Jimmy, who was my seventh grade student pastor. And I joined this staff team as a kid's pastor, and Mark ends up joining this team, who was my 10th grade small group leader. And Jarrett, who was my high school uh, student pastor, he ends up joining this team several years later, and my mom ends up being on staff. And this amazing thing happens where all of a sudden the people that poured into my life, I am now side by side with, and we are serving other people together. And I had the opportunity to serve the next generation here. So many different kids I could tell you about. I just want to mention three, Jackson, Hannah, and Colin, and each of one of them are special to me because I met them when they were in the second and third grade. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit because time goes by, and through another amazing set of circumstances, I meet my wife, Whitney. We get married. We have a kid. My firstborn, his name is Graham, and he is born, and I am carrying him into church, and I'm about to drop him off at the nursery at our infants and toddlers area for the first time. Now, this is the ministry that I kind of served in, right? This is my people, my volunteers, and you know who's at the door when I go to drop him off? It's Colin because now he is in high school, and he's serving with his parents and our infants and toddlers. And Jackson and Hannah go on, they grow up, and now they're serving kids by leading them in worship, kind of like we just did for you today. And this just goes on and on, this amazing impact. Now, you might think this is a story about me, because that's kind of how I started, but it's not a story about me. This is actually a story about all these voices speaking into my life, all these voices who spoke into my parents' life, all these voices who are having an impact so that then I can have an impact on the next generation. And it doesn't stop there. Their voice is spoken to me to speak into them who are now speaking into the next generation. And they're going to continue to speak into the next generation. It goes on and on and on. Why am I telling you all of this? Why am I bringing this up? Am I, is it just to say, this is cool? No, it's because I believe very strongly in the next generation. I believe in kids and students, and I believe in our responsibility and our calling to have an impact in the lives of kids, students, and families at a very young age, because this is true, and this is kind of a financial thing. If you're a financial person, you'll relate to this a little bit. Making deposits in a person's life while they are young will earn more interest, right? And we know this. We know that because somebody did that for you. Someone helped you along the way. If I was to ask you your elementary teachers, you might be able to remember their names. You might remember uh, what they did for you. You might remember how they taught you certain things, to read, to write. They unveiled some creativity in your life. Maybe that happened for you. And we know that when we make deposits in an account, it accrues interest over time. The more we put in earlier, the more the return later, right? Another way of saying this might be what we do now for a kid is more important than what you do for an adult later. Now, when I said that, some of you got really offended. You might have bristled a little bit. What? I'm not important. I didn't say you weren't important. I just said what you do now for a kid matters more than what you do for an adult later. And you know this inherently. That's why we don't wait until a kid is 15 to help them learn how to tie their shoes. We don't wait until somebody's teeth have rotten out to teach them about oral hygiene. As soon as they have a tooth, what do we do? Got to brush it. You got to brush your teeth. 
There are things that the earlier we invest, the greater the return later. Some of you who are parents, you have your kids playing sports at the age of four, soccer, football, baseball, whatever it might be. I played soccer at a very young age. It did nothing for me, no return on investment. But for some of you, like you're seeing that result, you know the earlier we get training, the greater the impact is later. Somebody did that for you. And you have the opportunity to do that for somebody else. What we do now for a kid is more important than what you do for an adult later. We know this. Now we're in this family series and you might be thinking right about now that this is not a conversation for you. You might have written this off. You might be thinking, well, I don't have kids, so this doesn't apply to me. Or you might be thinking, well, my kids are grown, so this doesn't apply to me. You might be thinking, I'm never going to have kids, whatever, whatever it might be. And I just want to ask you for just a moment to change your thinking, that you would allow the opportunity for that misconception that somehow this conversation does not apply to you to just throw that out the window for a moment and listen in real close because I think God has something bigger to tell us. I think he has something bigger to tell us about families and he has something bigger to tell us about the church and how these two things intersect together. Because someone has made a difference in your life. And maybe it happened when you were young. Maybe it happened when you were later. And if it happened later, you might be wishing that someone had come along when you were younger. Because it would have saved you a lot of pain. It would have saved you a lot of years wandering around. It would have saved you a lot of heartache. It would have changed the trajectory of your life. And this is a call to all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a call. And and here at Ocean View, we kind of have this strategy that we implement. It's summed up in one word. You may have heard us talk about it before. It's called orange. And I just want to say this is just a term that we are given an idea. And the idea is that if you take the heart of the home, which we'll represent with the color red, and you combine it with the light of the world, which is the church, we'll represent with yellow. When I combine red and yellow, what color do I get? Orange. It's just a really simple reminder, a way for us to say two influences that speak the same thing into a kid's life can have greater impact in a person's life than just one of those influences by itself. See, I'm a parent now of three kids. And if you're in this room, you think, oh, it's not my turn to, to I've already served with kids, or I've already had an impact, or my kids are grown, and it's the, it's the parents' turn to do things for them. I just want to let you know something. I am a parent of three kids. I am fully aware of my responsibility for my kids. They remind me every single day. I am fully aware that I am a parent of three and that I have a role to play in their life, but I'm also fully aware of the fact that I can't do it alone. I can't. It's impossible. I wasn't designed to do it alone. God designed community to be much bigger than that. And it starts way back. This is not a new idea. It goes all the way back to when Moses is leading God's people out of Israel, out of slavery after 400 years. They're about to enter into the promised land that he had promised Abraham's family hundreds of years prior. And this is what Moses told the people. He said, Israel, listen to me. Everybody, listen up. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Love him with all of your strength. The commands that I give you today, those things that we just mentioned, must be in your hearts. Make sure that your children learn them. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. Speak about them when you go to bed. Speak about them when you get up in the morning. Natural rhythms that all of us have done. 
Write them down. Tie them on your hands as a reminder. Tie them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses. Write them on your gates. This idea that faith is getting passed from one generation to the next. And when we see that your, we think, oh, that's the parents to the kids. He addressed the entire nation. Those, those kids are your kids. My kids are your kids. If you're a follower of Jesus, we have a responsibility and a calling. Here's what I believe, that no one has greater potential to influence the faith of a child than a parent. I believe that. Whether, whether positive or negative, some of you grew up with parents who didn't have a positive expression of faith or a complete absence of faith. I'm not sure. Everybody's different. Everybody's story is different. But whether positive or negative or however you want to say it, your parents affect your faith as you grow up. But here's what's also true. That nothing has greater potential to influence the faith of parents and families and kids than the church. When the church comes alongside of families, comes alongside of parents to make those early investments into a kid's life. It has the opportunity to change everything. And we need you. As a parent, as a family minister, we need you. We need other voices in my kids' lives. And I am so thankful for them. Right now, as we are in this room worshiping together, there, is, there are kids and students worshiping all over this place. I'm very thankful for people like Josh, Jesse, and Lauren who pour into my kids in a large group setting. They unpack God's word. They make it really easy for a child to engage with, to worship their creator. And then my son moves into a small group with Mike and Crystal and Kelly, and they take that truth and they say, all right, let's take this truth. How is this going to apply to you this week? How does Jesus loving you help you love others this week? And then they give me a card at the door that tells me how to have a conversation with my son. And on Monday, we had a conversation based on what they had put into his heart. I said, Graham, how are you going to love others the way that Jesus has loved you this week? Because Jesus loved you first. What can you do at school today? And we talk a little bit in the car on the way to school. And he tells me about a girl in his class whom I know because I go to his class sometimes. And he tells me about her. I won't tell you her name kindergarten class, and he says, she's struggling, she doesn't like being in class, she only, likes, she only likes recess. I said, I understand that. Why do you think she only likes recess? And he tells me why. I said, Graham, do you think anybody has ever told her that, that God loves her? Do you think she's ever heard that? He says, I don't know. I said, I don't know either. Why don't you tell her that God loves her? He says, why don't you tell her? I said, well, I'm not in your class, buddy. So let's, let's talk. We, we stop on the sidewalk. Before we go in, I always hug him, say, have a great day. I say a quick prayer over him, and he goes into class. The next day he comes home. I come home. I said, Graham, how was your day at school? What did we do today? He, in his own quiet way, he kind of gets next to me. He says, Daddy, I, I did something. What did you do today, bud? Oh, no. What did you do? And he told me about the girl. He said, I told her that God loves her. That's awesome. What did she say when you told her that? She said, no, he doesn't. You understand the impact that we make in the next generation changes everything. There are kids and students who have no idea. This is why it's so important. In our preschool environments here at Ocean View, we want to make sure that every preschooler knows that God loves them that God made them and that he has a plan for them. 
and that Jesus wants to be their best friend forever, what would it look like for every five-year-old to know that? What would it look like for all the kids in my son's kindergarten class to know that? And those who are here, we empower them and equip them to go be that for other kids. See, here's the thing I want us to remember. This is, the question is not really, will you do something to have an impact on the next generation of faith? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is not the question. Because you are having an impact, whether absent or present, you are having an impact. You understand? If you're not investing in the next generation, that makes an impact. If you are investing in the next generation, that makes a greater impact. But either way, it's an impact. So the question is not, will you have an impact? The question is, what is that impact going to look like? What kind of impact can you have in the next generation? What is it going to look like for us to say we care about kids and students having a relationship with Jesus, having voices in their life that propel them in their faith to know and follow Jesus? What is that going to look like? Because it has to look like something, and I get it, I know, I know. Listen, I've been doing this for 19 years, okay? I have heard lots of excuses, I've heard several, many, hundreds, thousands, okay? I get it. Here's a few. I don't want to sit in a room and hold babies. First of all, I have a nine-month-old. She's super cute. She laughs and she's snuggly. Why don't you want to sit in a room and hold my kid? And by the way, you're not just holding them, you're actually showing them what a consistent love and faith looks like in the church, even from that age. You're showing those babies' moms and dads what it looks like when a church cares about families. But I get it. I know what this means. It means you don't want to change diapers. I get that. Because I don't either. I... But that's not necessarily what that means. I don't want to sit in a room and hold babies. That's fine. But can you hold a door for a mom who's trying to get into the building? When it's raining outside, do you have any idea what it's like to get three kids dressed and ready to go and get in the car and then drive around this parking lot, try to find a parking spot, get the kids out of the car. Everybody hold hands. Everybody hold hands. I got the baby. I'm trying to stroller. I got all these things. I got the diaper bag. I forgot. I'm going to go back to the car, get that, close it up. Okay, now let's go into church and the door isn't open. Nobody's there to hold it open for them. You know what that's like? I don't know what that's like because I get here really early in the morning, but my wife knows what's that, what that's like. So we want to make sure that we, maybe you can just do something simple for them. While they're getting checked in, you're just encouraging. You're encouraging that mom or that dad. You're holding that. You're making sure they get checked in. Okay, you're helping them find their way through this building. You are being there for that family because you know what it means. Somebody did that for you and you have the opportunity to do that for somebody else. Maybe you've said this. I don't know enough to teach the Bible to kids. I hear this a lot. And that's okay. I want to just dispel your fear here. You don't have to know enough to teach the Bible to kids because we're not doing that. We're teaching kids the Bible. What's the difference? One means I have to know a lot of facts and figures and years and dates and people, and I'm going to teach that to kids. The other is teaching the Bible to kids, which means I'm going to teach kids the Bible. Sorry, I teach kids the Bible, and you know what that means? I'm going to teach you how to take this truth and how you can live that out this week. That's what happened with my son. Taught him a truth from God's word. And now we're going to live it out this week. That's what's happening right now with my uh, four-year-old daughter. 
There are people in her life right now I'm so thankful for. One of them is a high school student. They're in small group right now. And they're teaching my daughter that Jesus loves everyone. Who does Jesus love? Jesus loves everyone. That's going to be put into her heart just like things were put into my heart and my life when I was four and five years old. And she's going to carry that with her for the rest of her life. And I'm so thankful for that. It's a big deal. So I don't know enough to teach the Bible to kids. You can learn with them, by the way. It's totally okay. I'm not good with kids. I hear this a lot. I'm not good with kids. They're not really my thing. I understand. But maybe you just forgot what it was like to be a kid, and maybe being with kids would help you to remember, and then you'd get really good with kids. I promise. But let's just take it at face value. You're not good with kids. Are you good with adults? Because kids have parents. Kids have grandparents. Can you make an investment in their life and therefore make an investment in that kid's life? I would think, yeah. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not good with kids and I'm not really good with adults, then why aren't you at home locked up in your house away from all society? Why are you here? You can have an impact on the next generation just by serving other people. You might be thinking this, I don't have time. I hear this a lot, I don't have time. Now... I'm going to remind you of something. There's only 24 hours in the day, right? You don't get extra time. So nobody has time. We do with our time what we will. So to say I don't have time, you don't have an hour. You don't have one hour of your life a week. You you don't have that a month. You have nothing. I, I disagree with this. I'm just telling you I don't agree with that, that you don't have time. You have time. It just means that you're going to give up something for the benefit of someone else. Maybe you give up that extra hour of sleep. Maybe you give up getting to that lunch buffet or whatever. Maybe you give up something that has been benefiting you so that you can have an impact, so that someone can know Jesus in a way that they don't know him yet, but you already do. So you're going to give up something of yourself to make a greater impact in someone else's life. I don't have time. I think it's just you using our time differently. We all have the same amount of time. And I hear this one a lot. I'll serve when things calm down. My life is too crazy right now. It's too busy. There's too much going on. And I, I, I understand that life gets busy. I understand that things happen in our world. I understand that there are always unexpected things. But let me just tell you something. There is nothing that I love more than when my world is chaos and I can remove the focus from myself for an hour. When, when everything is going on around me and things that I can't even control and it's all pressuring on me and it's just so stressful and it's just like, oh, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to, and it's just like, oh, my world is too busy, I don't have time to invest, I can't invest. When things settle down, then I'll invest in somebody else's life. Let me just tell you something, there is nothing greater that you can do than to say all of this is going on around me, I need a break from it, I'm going to put my focus on what Jesus has called me to do and I'm going to invest in somebody else's life. And all of that, guess what? It's still there. It's not like you're giving, it's going to be there when you come back. But just to have a break from that and see how God can use you in somebody else's life changes everything. We're designed to do that. Don't let that cloud you up there. And maybe you have one that I haven't said. Maybe you have an excuse that I haven't made mention of this morning. You might have, there are hundreds of thousands of others. And you probably have them right now in your mind ready to go. You're like, oh, I got my excuse ready. That's okay. And I get that. I've heard, I've heard them all. I have, promise. And, and um, I'm going to ask a question in just a moment. I'm going to be really honest with you. I have struggled with this question to ask. 
because it's a hard question to ask, but I think it's a super important question to ask. And I want to preface it with this. This is not a guilt question. This is not, because I know guilt is not a motivator. This is not to like manipulate you in any way. But if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, this is a question of discipleship. So I want you to hear my heart in this, okay? This is a question of discipleship. This is not a question to guilt you into feeling a way. I'm not interested in that at all. But if you're a follower of Jesus in this room and you are not pouring your life into the lives of other people around you, into parents, to kids, to students, so that the faith from one generation can continue to the next. This is the question that I have for you. Understand my heart. Which excuse will you present to Jesus that he would find acceptable or reasonable? Which one? When I ask myself this question, I can't think of it, of a good one. This is not a guilt question. This really is a discipleship question. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not called to do that. No, that's not true. Because Jesus himself said, love God, love others. Everything hangs on that. Do you know who others are? Kids. Kids are others. Their parents are others. Their families are others. So it's not a calling issue. This is... This is what he told us to do. So what excuse are you going to present? And here's the thing. Let me just go back to this. Let me just show you my story one more time. Like you see this. And this. Look at this. This is a thing of beauty, right? We are connected in ways in God's family that we don't even understand. There are people that have impacted your life and impacted the people of lives around you. And they're connected and you don't even see it. There is no other organization in the world. There's no charity. There is nothing else that does what the body of Christ does. You understand? This is incredible. It's not coincidence like it is one generation passing faith on to the next generation. And Paul wrote about this, how we are a body, a family. He said this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, it is so with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether you're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now if the foot says, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body, would it? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body, right? So if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But get this, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, every single one of you, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but just one body. If one part suffers, get this, if one part suffers, if one part isn't doing its part, then if one part, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. Not you are when you decide, not you are when you have time, not you are, you are the body of Christ and each one of you, every single person is a part of it. So the question is, are you playing your part? Are you having an impact? Now, that card that I mentioned earlier that I told you to completely avoid, says make an impact on the front, on the back of that card, it kind of says, what's next? And I just want to kind of unpack this for you just real quick because I told you everybody's having an impact. 
in some way or another. So I kind of listed that as an option. I will have an impact on the next generation by doing nothing. I want you to, that's the first option. And I put that there because a lot of people, I've had people say that to me, I'm just not going to do anything. I said, fine, just own it, just say it, just check it, I'll leave you alone. Put your name on it, give it to me, and I will stop asking you. No one will ask you for anything, I promise, okay? But I don't think that's your heart, and I don't think that's what you desire, so what can you do? Maybe you can serve on a ministry team. I put next-gen ministry team, but in reality, my wife was like, why did you put that? Really, any ministry team at Ocean View was having an impact on the next generation. I said, you're absolutely right, because you're ministering to parents or families or kids in some way, indirectly or directly. So whatever that might be, maybe you want to take a step and do that. Maybe you, maybe you can only be prayer right now. I get that. I'll connect you with a group to pray for them. You're not sure. Let's talk. Maybe there's an age group. I tried to list a hundred different options that you can do. There are so many different things that you can do to have an impact on the next generation so that faith continues from one to the next. Somebody did that for you. You can do that for somebody else. Last thing, kind of to wrap this up, what's next for you? First of all, if you're not serving on a team, I would encourage you to start. Something changes when you take what you have heard in your head and your heart and you put it through your hands. It no longer is about you. It becomes about Jesus and his mission and calling on your life. The second thing, if you are serving some, and we have several who are, and I thank you so much if you're impacting. I, I want to just say as a huge thank you to you. You're already making a difference. But if you're serving some, consider serving more. Take that one more step to be intentional, to have an impact. And the last thing I would say, if you're serving a lot, go find someone else to serve with you. There's a rule that happens a lot in churches where it's like 20% of people are doing a ton of work, like 80% of the work. And that doesn't need to be true. There is no reason for that. If you find yourself and you're serving on this team, this team, this team, invite someone to join you. That's what I'm doing today. I'm inviting every single one of you to be a part of something bigger, to join a team, to be part of this movement, to help people know and follow Jesus, because your story can impact someone else's story, that can impact someone else's story in ways that you don't even understand yet. Imagine what that would look like if we became a church that cared so much about reaching families, that every family in town was like, man, I'm going there. They care about me. They care about my kids. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the family and the gift that it is. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to minister to kids and to families to make a difference. God, would you help us to just tear down any walls or barriers that we have put up for ourselves where we think we can't make a difference, we think we can't have an impact. God, would you help us to see through all of that and to just see what you see, to see people the way you do as having potential to know and follow you. God, would you lead us to make a difference, to make an impact. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.